This episode is sponsored by Free Market Kids. Join the league of families who are transforming family time into unforgettable Bitcoin learning experiences. With our Hoddle Up Bitcoin mining board game, you're not just playing. You're building bridges, creating memories, and unlocking the brilliance of the future one block at a time. The concept of rest days come easier for some people than others. When I was homeschooling the kids, I always felt like we were playing catch up. And so I wouldn't give the kids vacation or weekends. So the time preference thing, honestly, when I look back over what we did, I could have been a lot more relaxed because we would have been able to finish everything we wanted to do anyway. But there was always this urgency. Welcome to Bitcoin Homeschoolers. For those new to the show, welcome. We are here to help you take self-custody of education. And this is not only about your kids, but it's also about yourself. For Tali and for me, this is this is a passion. We feel very strongly this is a cause bigger than ourselves. And as I've mentioned before in, in other programs, this is an infinite game. It's like the founding fathers when they pursued the constitution. This, this is something, the impact of what we're talking about with education is gonna be felt for generations and it is worth it. It may not be easy from a proof of work standpoint. This is a huge investment of time, love, energy, focus, whatever words you want to use for that level of commitment. It takes, it takes work. And uh, we've clearly entered the then they fight you stage for homeschoolers. The state just want to control our kids, which to me is just a disgusting Marxist idea. But being decentralized, you can't get any more decentralized than having education in the home. So for anybody who's new, welcome. Uh, there's a couple themes in this show. We, we want to bring you resources that can help you. And we recently returned from El Salvador. Tali and I were there for adopting Bitcoin. If you missed it, that was our last episode. So for this episode, just note that while we were there, Tali managed to catch something. So I'm going to try to do most of the talking in this episode. <laughs> so I'm sorry for the listeners, but she is here. And if her voice sounds a little uh, funny, that's, that's what's call, causing it. The theme that we're going to talk about today, it, it has to do with instilling a, a, a love of learning that we want to instill in our, in our kids, and we are the model. So if we are a good role model for our kids, and they see us reading, they see us trying things, whatever that is, then um, that's, that's an important step in that. And it doesn't always, I guess everybody doesn't learn things the same way. And it, it's helpful if you see the same things, maybe from different ways. Sometimes that could be different courses, that could be different conversations, that could be different experiences. But when you hear concepts repeatedly from different people in different ways, sometimes something will stick and you just need that repetition. And what I want to talk about today is a book called 10X is Easier Than 2X. And... The reason I gave all that introduction is because this is not a Bitcoin book and it's not a homeschooling book. However, I, I listened to this in audible format, which is what I, I recommend to everybody for this particular book. And there were, there were things in here that really struck home with me that I thought were valuable for Bitcoin homeschoolers. There are a few things in there that impacted me personally. And I think they're really helpful for people who are going down the path of taking self-custody of education with their, with their kids. All right, so what is this book? This, this is a book that is written by a, a gentleman named Dan Sullivan, who's a business coach. 
It's read by his co-author, a guy named Dr. Hardy. And if you get the Audible version, he actually interviews Dan after each chapter. This is worth while listening. Many of his ideas and, and views align with Bitcoiners and they align with homeschoolers. So to, to start it off, he's not a fan of our education system. So, you know, automatically he already kind of kind of fits in. And the, the other thing about this is, even though this book is intended for people who are entrepreneurs, frameworks really matter. One of the things that Tali and I did with our kids for homeschooling, we introduced them to the books and the games by Rich Dad, Poor Dad. The, the gentleman, Guy Kiyosaki, had his, has a real dad who worked in what we would call the fiat system. He worked in the school system, had, I think, a PhD at least, and that was his poor dad. I think his dad was the head of the Department of Education in Hawaii. Gotcha. Right. And then the poor dad. That's what, the poor dad. That's the poor dad. Right. That's the then poor dad. The, the rich dad was actually someone who may not have even graduated high school. Or if he did, that's all he did. But he became multimillionaire. And this was his best friend's dad. And so he got advice from two very different points of view. And the whole point of that is frameworks really matter. And the framework that your kid's going to get in a public school is not going to be that of a Bitcoiner. It's not going to be of a, a free-thinking, critical individual. And that's why this particular book that we're talking about today is important because one of the things it does is it sets up some frameworks that are really important. If you're taking self-custody of your kid's education, you want them to lead healthy and happy, and if, maybe if you're spiritual, God-filled lives. You don't trust the state. You don't trust the others to talk to them about and teach them about money, economy, how the healthcare system, diet, anything works. And that's why I want to talk about this book. This book helps Bitcoin homeschoolers with a mental framework that really supports critical thinking. The concepts are aligned with Bitcoin. The concepts are aligned with homeschooling. So the, at a high level is that Bitcoin really aligns human incentives. It works without trust. Greed is good. Self-interest is good. And it's just, it's just first principles with, with energy, um, with other things. If you look at the incentives <clears throat> in place with, with miners and energy and with transaction fees, et cetera, this is good. And that is essentially what we need to do with other parts of our life. So it's actually healthy, for example, that you want something. You can have a better life. So you're, you either want things and you do it with confidence or you want things and you do it with guilt. But you're going to want things. So the ideas, uh, the woke ideas and critical race theory and other things that are really damaging our kids today, that's what you can get in a conformist type public school versus maybe talking about Ayn Rand's virtues of selfishness, which also, by the way, talks about just being guilt-free with what you desire. So where, where this leads you to, um, Bitcoin is freedom money and the book 10x is easier than 2x, has a framework around freedoms. There are four types of freedoms in this framework. There's time, money, relationship, and purpose. And this is why it struck home with me, is because we were, again, on that the El Salvador trip in the last episode, Bitcoiners are just filled with purpose. And man, this, this is inspiring. It makes me bullish. And that is the primary factor to talk about and share this book with Bitcoin homeschoolers. All right, so let's just talk about a few areas. The, the first area of the book is about abundance mindset and a key to 
being, being happy. Now, I personally think you need to apply these type of things to yourself first. They're watching you. You're the model. It's the idea of putting on that oxygen mask, and then you can, you can help others. And I, and I can say from a firsthand experience for too long, I lived with a, a scarcity mindset. When you read the, this book, you will, you will see the connection between the type of jobs, fiat jobs. I took, I took fiat jobs out of fear. I stayed with them out of fear of loss of income and health care coverage, maybe a fear of loss or uh, fear that might hurt my pride. So I will do everything in my power to teach my kids and prevent them from having to go through that. And Tali and I have been pursuing free market kids now for a year, and I have never felt so fulfilled. So getting back to, to mindset, this is about an infinite mindset. And if your infinite mindset is, well, if you have an infinite mindset, this is where you're going to make, you're going to make a bigger impact and you're going to get to that, the, the pursuit of, of things that you want to do, your purpose, and that's going to help you be happier. But if you think about with Bitcoin, that's an infinite game. The constitution with individual rights over government, that's an infinite type of game. And when, when Dan Sullivan compares and contrasts these, these frameworks, the scarcity framework versus the abundance framework, it really helps give you uh, a, a way of, of looking at things that you can talk to your kids. So for example, you could talk to your kids about something he calls the pie fallacy. In the fiat world, if you're going to get bigger, you're going to be taking that away from somebody else. If you are a big tech, if you are a big government, you are, you're basically taking that away from someone else. Whereas if you are focused on abundance, it breeds freedom and courage and confidence and you do what you want. So imagine that we all pursue what we want to do and in, the, in a free market, you would, you would specialize and then you all benefit. The pie gets, gets bigger. So a way you can apply some of these things just from a, a mindset with kids to ask them if they're, if they're in a scarcity mindset or an abundance mindset it, is to just have some basic questions. What do you have a conversation about? What do you want? And you can challenge them. It could be, it could be news issues like uh, social justice issues or other woke ideologies. Um, talk to them about the four freedoms and get this on the table and, and just use this, make this part of how they look at the world and they'll, they'll pick it up pretty quickly. So that's just, that's the first part of this I wanted to get into was an abundance mindset and the key to happiness. You should offer some concrete examples and conversation topics. Well, help me. Do you, do you have some? The thing that comes to my mind is when we go to the grocery store, and I think we're all of us guilty um, with this one particular mindset, which is we look at the groceries and we go, oh my gosh, everything is so expensive and our money doesn't go as far in the grocery store. And we start focusing heavily on the scarcity mindset where we spend money and the moment we spend the money and the money goes out the door and we say whatever remarks we, we make. So for example, that's so expensive and uh, inflation is going on, which is all true, but it puts your eyes on where the scarcity is. So it's like energy flows where attention goes. So if your attention is always on that, then it's very hard on the other hand to cultivate a an abundance mindset 
but we also don't want to not speak truth because that doesn't make any sense. So we, in looking at the increased expenses, we can have a conversation with the kids about like what you were saying, the pie increasing if we all did our part and nobody was stealing from us. The, uh, this, this, these ideas all overlap with each other. So the next idea was actually around unique abilities. And you'll see you, you, you almost can't disconnect these, these ideas. So Sullivan's very aligned with free market concepts. He doesn't actually use the word Austrian economics. But here's the idea. If, if you pursue what you want to do, maybe you have a natural talent in something, you just have something that really motivates you and you specialize, then collectively we're all more productive and that pie grows. This could be the same for countries too. If one country is better than another, then we all, and when you truly had free, free trade, then you're creating value overall. And think of value for value. So everybody's actually contributing more and then human flourishing is going to increase. Public schools are designed to create conforming citizens those that are going to work in factories that are going to go to war or whatever the state really, really decides they, they need. But just imagine for your, for your, for our sons and daughters, if they were able to identify and pursue their unique abilities, how happy would they be? So this is something, again, not taught in schools. It's, it's not about conformity and it's certainly not driven. If you, the scarcity mindset, here's where the scarcity mindset can take you sideways. Scarcity mindset is going to say, wow, we got this inflation I'm going to go get a career that can help pay. I'm going to have to go get the doctor lawyer job, or I have to go to college. Just even talk about college with your kids. I have to go to college because that's the only way I'm going to get a job that can pay enough. And then I'm going to choose, I'm going to have that, then you're going to have the student loan. So it just compounds. Now you're going to, now you're going to have to take a job that pays more and you may pursue an entire career that you don't like and forego your unique abilities, the things that you truly want, and you're not going to be as happy. You're going to spend an entire career doing something that you, you, at the very least, maybe you're neutral to, but if you actually dislike it, and I want our kids to be happy. So if we could have that conversation and then just extend this out, if everyone embraced this, if we truly had free markets, not the crony capitalism we have and the malinvestment we have today, but wow, how amazing would this world be? How would how much human flourishing would we, would we have and would we increase for everyone if we truly embrace this idea? And you have to start somewhere, right? We're not going to fix the whole world. And the place that you can start is by teaching the kids that there's an alternative to the fiat education and it fits perfectly with Bitcoin. And the idea, again, is to, that it's okay to want to do something different and then you can encourage them to do it. And then, Tali, I think the... The example that comes to mind as I'm, I'm saying this out loud is, hey, maybe college is not right. I mean, this is certainly something we've been discussing with Nolan and and Caden recently. That to me is a practical example from an education standpoint. Yes, I'm going to refer to another book that I listened to, which I cannot remember right now because I'm, <laughs> I'm desperately trying to remember the title and we'll put it in the show notes when I remember. But there was a quote from that book I'm going to paraphrase here, which says, if we, if we focus on just the making money part of a profession, you realize that now you're facing global competition before you were competing against people who live in your general area, possibly you're facing competition with people who live in your country. But now with 
the advance of technology, we're competing with the global citizenship. I mean, mm. you're, if you're going into engineering, you're competing against engineering students in India and China and Japan and South Korea. It's no longer good enough for you to be good enough. And the point of this book is in this day and age, when competition is literally global, the only way you're going to excel is to focus on something you love. If you focus on doing something that you should do that you don't love, you're just at best going to be mediocre or just kind of good. But there are other people doing the same job somewhere else in the world, possibly, who love it. And you're competing mm. against them. So it is more important today than ever before because of global com competition to follow your dream, to follow your passion so that you can become the top 1%, 5%, whatever it takes, right? Mm. But you can't be there if you hate the job and you're only doing it because you should so that you can make money. Yep. Okay. All right. Let's go to the next subject that, that I pulled out of the book that I wanted to talk about. And the framework is called gap versus gain. And this is a tool that applies to yourself. It's also something that is worthwhile giving your kids. So I, if, you, if you look at how much bad news is on social media and the news itself, et cetera, and you wonder why our, our kids are almost nihilistic in their, their perspective, and then you hear about um, high suicide rates, and one of the questions is why? Like, I mean, we truly, at least in the U.S., there, we should be living a life of abundance. One of the ways you can explain that is this gap versus gain. So in, in essence, what it is, is if you focus on how far you have to go. So if you are an A student and you study really hard and you get perfect SATs and you do all these things and you look out and you're, you're always going against some kind of perfect thing. It's like winning the Olympic gold medal There's and then you're not happy. And it's if you are always comparing yourself to this, to this gap between you and perfection or between you and something, then you're, you're going to be down. You're going to feel down versus how far have you come and realizing how much progress you've made in a given period of time. So I'll, let me, let me use an example that's recent for me personally. So Tali and I were, we were in, in El Zante. It's part of the adopting Bitcoin conference. We're there first time in El Salvador. We're so excited and we go there and then we have problems with our wallets. We tried, we had two different wallets we tried and neither one worked. And I, and I won't tell you which wallets we were using. This is not to, to, to kind of throw blame at anybody, but it just, it was not a good experience. And thankfully there were other people from the conference were there and they had a different wallet. And I'm like, dang, like this, the, the user experience on this has a long way to go. If, if we are big Bitcoin pr promoters, and we are at Bitcoin Beach in the country that has Bitcoin as legal tender and we can't get it to work. Oh my God. Like, but this is a gap. What I'm focusing on there is an example of the gap versus look what happened in the, in the, in the 14, 15 years, Bitcoin, what has Bitcoin done? Well, first of all, the fact that we have, you know, never mind lightning and all these other things, but go back to what, Hayek said in 1984 that if we could come up with a sly roundabout way to take the money out of the hands of the government, guess what? We did it. Not just like, not us personally, but everybody who's in the Bitcoin community and supporting this, building on what Satoshi 
started. And in 15 years, you know how some, you now have something that is unstoppable and is a threat to the status everywhere in the world. And it's going to take the money out of their hands. So that is a gain. In 15 years, we went, we have, like, there is this thing out there, like, that is just mind blowing in the significance of it. So when you hear bad news, like this FinCEN thing is just horrendous and we need to fight it. But the most it can possibly do is just slow down the adoption in the US. That's it. Because Bitcoin has taken money out of the hands of the government with every new block that is, that, is, uh, that is mined. And if you ever find yourself in the gap, go watch the video. It was posted, I, it was posted, I think it was on Twitter, Bitstein, I believe, on 1031. So Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin birthday there. Amazing video. And it actually has a clip of Hayek saying that in 1984 that if we want to have sound money again, the only means may be, it can't be by violence. It has to be by some sly roundabout way. And that fills me with hope. Like, I, it's almost like, oh, man, when I get upset about FinCEN or a user experience with a wallet, what about the gains? The, the amount of energy at, in, in this community, those that are focused on freedom is amazing. So let me bring this home for Bitcoin homeschoolers. Practical question that you can ask and discuss with your kids when they have setbacks is, are you in the gap or the gain? And it sounds funny, but Tali and I even use this on each other when one of us happens to be in a spot and we're focusing on, you know, pick, pick your subject on it. So as a tool that's worth giving your kids for life, not just for school, but for life, understanding, are you focusing on the gap or gain? I think this is a really important topic and I don't care if you're an entrepreneur or not, that is a valuable life tool worth having. Apply it to homeschooling with that gap and gain principle. When we are schooling our kids, it's really easy to get fixated on where we want to take them from where they are right now. So, for example, if your child is pre-reading, the destination is reading. And so we start giving them lessons on the alphabet. We start teaching them how to sound them out. We start to help them to identify sight words and it's really easy to get frustrated because we see clearly where they need to go. And every lesson we give them, we expect that they will get closer to the destination. But it's really, it's really important to turn around. Like if you ever feel yourself getting upset because your child just isn't giving you the correct answers. If you say, what word is this? Let's say it's the word baby and they can't read it. It's really easy on the fifth time to get frustrated. And this principle just reminds you to look back to where you started, which is probably when they didn't even know the ABCs and they didn't know any sounds. And it gives you courage and it gives you the hope to keep going because tomorrow's another day and then tomorrow's another day. So that's how I would apply it in homeschooling. And it goes across the board. It could be about them just picking up their dirty laundry from the floor. You know, we can get really frustrated if they do a three days and then they stop on the fourth day. You're like, why can't you just ever learn to not leave dirty laundry on the floor? Well, gap or gain, right? If they've done it three days, that's better than zero days. And then you can kind of reorient yourself, recenter, and then proceed from a calmer <laughs> constitution. So. Damn. Last area I wanted to pull out from the, the, the book Again, there's a lot of things, a lot of materials in there, but I'm trying to focus only on the things that I think would be big takeaways for Bitcoin homeschoolers. One of my favorite areas to talk about, and it drives my kids 
crazy is time preference. In fact, I think Tali's probably rolling her eyes right now as I, as I bring this up. So what, again, in the book, Dan Sullivan is focused on entrepreneurs. He doesn't actually use the word time preference. He's not using Austrian economic words. He's not using Bitcoin words, but the concepts are there. And these concepts of abundance and freedom of time, money, relationships, money, this, these ideas of where do you want to be in the very long term and then work. That's, if that's your, that's where you want to be, that's your end state you want. And then you work backwards to, to get that. That is a, that is a very low time preference perspective. And one of the things he does though, to make it a little bit more practical is he tells a story of how top performers view time. And it is not at all like what is taught in schools. What's taught in schools is very linear. You show up at a certain time, you have to get between classes, you get, then when you graduate, then you got to get, you go to your, you go to work or report to wherever you report to. Very, very linear view. When, when Sullivan talks about performers, it could be entertainers in you know, like Hollywood or whatever. It could be singers. It could be something like basketball or any other sport for that matter. Top performers, top performers have performance days where they earn all that income. So let's say you earn multi, you have a multi-million dollar contract because you're a performer or whatever it is, you're a musician, you're a basketball player or something. The actual number of performance days you have are very few. If you look at how much you're getting paid for those performances on an hourly basis or a daily basis or an event base, it's crazy. So you have performance days. Prior to that, you have practice days. You don't just walk in there and perform. This takes a lot of hard work to, to get to that level. And then they talk about restoration. So a lot of the top athletes, one of the examples that he, he talks about is LeBron James, the amount of time and focus on rest days. So you focus really hard, you perform, and then afterwards, you don't go into the 27, 24, seven type of grind. You actually need to let your mind and your body relax. And so he then translates that to entrepreneurs and he calls it focus days, buffer days and rejuvenation days. So a focus day would be you're working on a 10 X type of an initiative. You're working on something that is just, is going to move the needle. Those are your big meetings, your big presentations, your big, if, if you're a content creator, maybe those are your content days and everything before that is a buffer day. So those are the days maybe you have delegated tasks, you have meetings and emails and other administrative type of things. And he says that entrepreneurs really can operate like performers and have these big focus days and these buffer days. And if you don't mix them up and try to do everything at the same time, you can actually reach flow. And by reaching flow, you're going to perform better. And he stresses extremely, extremely heavily rejuvenation days. And he talks about how many days off a year he takes and planning this out. And this is fantastic. Like this, this, this idea of not looking at time the way our society, the fiat society looks at it. And there are a lot of other connections to it and teaching someone how to use their time to be effective and focusing on the rejuvenation to reach flow. And then I, I, I can't help but to also think of like Jeff Booth talking about deflation and how much time we would have if we truly let, if we had a free market and we could let technology, let, let deflation actually do what it's, what it can with, with technology. But 
getting back to Bitcoin homeschooling, the fiat concept of how we view time, the high time preference and the expectations around it, they're not helpful. They're not helpful for your success. They're not helpful for your health. And so this is one of my favorite areas that he dives into, and that is how you view time. And if you want to have an area to teach your kids that can have a huge impact on their future and their happiness and their success, a different view of time, a low time preference, high performer point of view is invaluable. So it's one of my personal favorite areas of the book. And I'll see if Tali has any comments on that subject, because, again, I talk about this a lot at home and I get all the eye rolls. <clears throat> we get it, Dad, kind of looks. But I think the concept of rest days come easier for some people than others. So, for example, when I was homeschooling the kids, because we moved around so much, I always felt like we were playing catch up. And so I wouldn't give the kids vacation or weekends. We were always doing something and school was done. School and meals were done in the car between different activities, running around. So the time preference thing, honestly, when I look back over what we did, I could have been a lot more relaxed because we would have been able to finish everything we wanted to do anyway. But there was always this urgency. And one example I want to I want to point out is from the book called The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. And in the book, it starts with an example of him rushing through the airport. And at the time, there were still butler, what are they called? Airbag people? What are they called? The people who help you with your bags. Okay. Baggage handlers? I okay. don't know what you're like, talking I don't know where you're going. Bellboy, kind of the bellboy equivalent of at the airport. This is obviously decades and decades and decades ago. But anyway, so one guy had his luggage. He's running through the airport. And he's frustrated that this guy with his baggage wasn't running with him. And he would look back at this guy and the guy would wave him on and go, I'm right behind you. I'm right behind you. So he runs through the whole airport and literally... Five seconds later, this guy who was walking slowly behind him was right next to him. And he said that sense of urgency colors your view of the world and you don't gain that much time. Kind of like when you're driving somewhere and you're in a rush and you're trying to you're trying to go as fast as you can to a destination. You're zipping through traffic and everything and you're just frustrated with people who are slow or in your way. But if you're going to the same destination, generally those people arrive only a few minutes after you but they arrive leisurely they arrive safely safely but <laughs> you in the, in the meantime you you have your you're just color I, that's the best way i can explain it is your perception of everything is colored you're more angry you're more anxious you're like why are these people so stupid why are they not listening why not doing the right thing and you don't really gain that much you think you're going to gain so much with that sense of urgency but you really don't in the long run so in my mind time preference reflects in those stories Right. So a lot of the Bitcoin homeschooling things we focus on are for the the early folks, the ones that are just starting their families. And the thing that I'm thinking of as you say that is teaching your 16-year-old about driving. Right? I mean, they're <laughs> you want you want them you don't want them taking unnecessary risks. 
but it's not just the 16 year olds that are on the road. It's, it's literally like everybody you said there, there is there. It's almost like the road rage. You can, you can see it in the way that people drive their character comes out and the super high time preference that we have in our society you can actually see it everywhere. And, and traffic is definitely one of those. That's an interesting observation. Uh, is there anything that you would advise? So you, you're, you commented, though, on what we did. And you look back at your thing. So if you were advising someone now, so let's say you were talking to, again, I won't use names, but like some of these young Bitcoin couples, they have young kids or newborns or they're pregnant, like just early stages. They want to homeschool what would you advise them what from based on your lesson learned there so what would you tell them i would tell them number one above all don't worry about the commonly accepted milestones for the different age range so for example if in your mind or you've been told that kids should learn how to read between the age of four and five or four and six and your child is now seven and is still struggling with basic reading, you might be very frustrated. But what I would tell you is it's going to be okay whether the child learns to read at seven years old or nine years old or 11 years old because when they reach adulthood, they can read. You know, granted, there you know, if there is some kind of learning disability, you want to identify and help them. But if it's just a matter of it not clicking for them, don't worry about it. I was that person. So our first child learned to read early. Our second child learned to read early. Our third child learned to read early. But our fourth child had no interest. And I remember him six years old on the floor with me with his reading book. And I hated the book as much as he did. But it was the best thing that we could do in that moment. That was the best curriculum we could use. And I just pleaded with him and said, don't you understand? This is a six-year-old child. Don't you understand the whole world will open up to you if you would just learn to read? Because I was, I was like, I need to check this off of my list. And eventually, of course, he learned to read and he graduated younger than the other three. He's exceptionally intelligent. He just needed, he was on his own timeline and that's fine. Same thing with anything else. It could be math. You know, why won't you get the multiplication table? Well, it's okay because it's kind of like you rushing through the airport. Like I was saying before, you want to rush, rush, rush. You want to get there because you want to be like, I am here. And then the person who took his time is literally only seconds behind you. Keep that frame of mind when you're teaching your kids that just because there's a general age range for a certain kind of task or skill that's acquired doesn't mean that you must fall within that range. Great. So hit a lot of topics. We had abundance, unique abilities, gap first gain, and time preference. So this, uh, I think, is, a, is enough to give you a feel of what the book is and how it's a, it's a great example of taking materials that may not be directly related to a curriculum but you can incorporate those into your into your homeschooling experience for your your kids anytime. So thank you everybody for joining us. We'll catch you next week. Thanks. If you enjoyed this podcast and if you found this valuable, please leave a review to help others find us too. For those who prefer zapping sats, we love those too. We're on Fountain, we're on Noster, and we're on Orange Pill app. Also, I host a women's only Bitcoin podcast called Orange Hatter. 
And the mission of that podcast is to reach pre-coiner women. So if you know of someone in your life that you would like to introduce Bitcoin to, check it out. So Tali and I also don't have sponsors for this show. We are trying to build and run Free Market Kids. You can check out our products at freemarketkids.com. This includes the Bitcoin mining game Hoddle Up, which is a great introduction to Bitcoin. The school edition of Hoddle Up is always available. We also have the 2024 halving edition. It's going to be super deluxe. Very excited to roll it out. It is available on presale at a 21% discount. Until next time, happy hodling.